Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff, and this episode is sponsored by 12th Street Sound. You can get to this recording studio in New Westminster by going to 12thstreet.ca slash RCP and seeing what the owner, Anthony Centerini, has in store for you, the listener of this show. Our roots with him go deep, and we encourage you to record some music there in 2023, make some memories, and have a great time on your next recording project. Go to 12thstreet.ca slash RCP to book a date with Anthony in the studio today. There was no age thing there. We were a bunch of women just having the time of our lives. We were like little kids, just like ha having so much fun playing music and like goofing around and just having a great time. All right, we've got another new episode this month and we're very excited for our guest to join us. She's very generous with her time. Can't wait to bring that to you. But first, if you're not a member, become one for free today at rhythmchanges.ca. You'll get the free weekly article. You'll get gigs sent to you every week and you'll hear about new artists, recordings and events that you can enjoy and share in our local community. That's at rhythmchanges.ca. Sign up for free today. My conversation with a very exciting young vocalist up next. Our guest today is a vocalist and the leader of her band Ragaverse, which features Noah Franch Nolan on piano, Jody Prosnick on bass, and Nicholas Bracewell on drums. They started in 2022 and they're launching into all kinds of stuff this year. They've recently played at Jazz at the Bolt, among all the other many Vancouver jazz venues. They're working on putting out the group's first album. And she is also a member of the Ostar Project and has toured once with the supergroup recently. We'll be doing so again soon. So I'm looking forward to hearing about all that. Please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Shruti Ramani. Hi, Will. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was just uh, mesmerized by how eloquent you were with that. And thank you for the beautiful introduction <laughs> and for having me on your podcast. Oh, thank you. I want to single out that you're wearing a Johnny Tobin toque. When did you pick this up? Friend of the show, Johnny Tobin. <laughs> well, uh, he was promoting his merch. I love his music. I respect the guy. And I saw this really bright yellow beanie. Since this is a podcast, I, I guess I should describe it. It's um, the brightest yellow you can think of, like sunshine yellow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that looks really, really bright. <laughs> I want that. And it, uh, So yeah, good fashion choice. Plus, it's Johnny's uh, uh, merch, which I'm happy to promote. So. That's great. Oh, you love to see it. <laughs> I first heard Ragaverse at the Fox Cabaret. Um, you played a double bill with Itamar Erez's group. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the first concert by the band officially. Is that, that true? That is true. Yes, that's 100% uh, true. Um, big thanks to Diane Kadota for actually inviting us to do this. And uh, that was the first time we decided to play as a group. I had started to play my music with a, um, a couple of different people, but... When when I heard it with Noah and Jody, I really thought that that was what it was meant to sound like. And yeah, um, so that was our first time together. And it just solidified with Nick being there because initially it was just the three of us and we were looking for a drummer and we were trying to play with a bunch of drummers to see. Um, but when we played with Nick and we, ha we didn't have any rehearsal to this gig, actually, we just went on stage and did it. Um, which was wild. Really? Yeah, we had no rehearsal on that one. So we had, um, well, we had heard all the music, we had the charts and everything, and we discussed verbally what was going to go on. We tried to play some stuff in the sound check, but that was about it. 
um but yeah nick nailed it and we were like yeah this is this person completes ragavers and then we became a quartet yeah 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 cuz i remember you filled in the set like you played i think it's track 1 or 2 from sun songs from jody's album right like with that That's band right. which i thought was interesting but it definitely seemed like a move of like filling the set list with with material right cuz it was your first ever time yeah it was and it was also an ode to jody i think uh when we started out we were we talked a lot about how we want to compose for each other as, as in compose for the group as a collective so we thought it would be a collaborative thing so i thought it would be fun to play some of jody's tunes and see how it vibes with the group um always loved singing other people's compositions so there's that um yeah and hopefully in the future we will we'll be having other members of the band right for the band as well so oh nice yeah i I noticed you mentioned about making it a quartet and really launching the band there. Is that because on the way to that Fox Cabaret performance, which I think was about a year ago now-ish, like it was in the spring yeah. of 2022, before that, did you do a gig? I didn't go to this gig, but I remember hearing about it that was kind of a precursor to Rogerverse or maybe the first version of it at the second floor. Is that That's what it was? That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> You have better memory than I do. Uh, <laughs> Between but, the two of us, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that was a very fun gig. And that was kind of uh, one of the first gigs I actually premiered some of my compositions at. And uh, that was exactly the moment. Noah came up to me and Noah was the one that was like, hey, I have a feeling we should be in a band. And I was okay. like... And was he playing at this gig or no? Yeah, he was he playing was. at the okay, gig. Yeah. So it was uh, Noah, Jody and I, and then Arvind on drums. Nice. Uh, amazing drummer as well. Um, so... We were playing all this music and he was like, yeah, this feels like there's something going on here. It feels like we're going to do this a lot more. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I also have the same feeling. I feel like we should be a band. <laughs> so um, with in agreement, we decided. And the next gig happened to be a month later, the Fox uh, show. And in that time, we had decided to be a band. Uh, oh, so it was really yeah. soon between those two things. Yeah, it was literally just exactly that gig, that moment where we had discussed it. And a few weeks later, we had already decided, yes, we have something here. And initially it was a trio, but after the Fox gig, yeah, that changed. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that really moved. That really, once, once you had the feeling that it was time to do that, then it, yeah. it really started going. Yeah. And it yeah. hasn't slowed down since, like all the other places you've played. Like what? You've you've played at Frankie's. Um, you've obviously just played at Jazz at the Bolt. That's the most recent one, yeah, right? Yeah, we went, uh, we did our first out of BC um, show with each other at the Calgary Jazz Ahead oh. uh, pretty recently in November. So that was a big experience as well because I, well, I came here and I've only been within BC and for school. So to have the opportunity to go tour with Ostara, but then also bring my group to the same event, which was uh, in Calgary, that was kind of fun. Uh, wow. So played with both the bands um, um, at Jazz Ahead. Yeah. Oh, there's so much I wanna I wanna ask about Jazz at the Bolt. I wanna ask about the Ostara tour. You did mention uh, out of out of Vancouver or out of VC at least, and. Uh, I recently went out of Vancouver. I went to Nanaimo to play a gig with somebody who I believe is your friend. Yes, Tegan that is Cooch. right. She's so, a very dear friend of mine. And we had met for the first time when we showed up for the sound check. So mm -hmm. that, was, that was the first time we met in person. And that's that was really in the spirit of improvisation, yeah. we felt. And I think you 
and Tiga know each other because you both went to VIU, right? Yeah, the, she was one of my first friends in Canada. And um, I, I'm very introverted, I would say. I'm not very uh, proactive at making connections. Which And the, being a musician really helps that fact because mm-hmm. I, I do have to make connections for my music to grow. And it's, it's kind of, um, you know, the therapeutic thing for me to do is to make friends through music. But Tegan actually just came up to me one time and was like, hey, you want to grab some beers and we can go hang out at my house and we'll talk music and we'll chill. Uh, we're in the same program. And I was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I'll take you up on that. And that evening... I bought a couple of beers and went over to hers and we like heard music the whole night and chatted and were thick friends ever since wow um it's been a few years now yeah yeah that totally checks out because yeah we we connected because i did an article before she came and played her first show in vancouver at the second floor gastown and sharon played piano with her and then i think um she went to go see somebody's gig at la fabrique um maybe where arvind was playing or maybe arvind was playing again at second floor so um Mm -hmm. she hung around the rest of the weekend with you guys and then i heard about that but i missed it i didn't i didn't make it to any of those gigs and then i was like well can we do something in nanaimo soon and then i looked for a gig at the vault and then kind of made that happen from nothing so there's a great example of you know somebody just being willing to make things happen right yeah yeah it's it's definitely worth it and definitely brings uh, very unique um beautiful people together oftentimes through yeah the spirit of making music so yeah that's awesome yeah so you ended up this is at vancouver island university which is in nanaimo on vancouver island so this was the first place that you enrolled to study music in canada when you came to canada that's correct and it was um also because it was more affordable for me as an international student uh the program fee was considerably low compared to say capilano university where i finished my degree um Yeah, so I I got a scholarship in my second year, which kind of enabled me to uh, afford Capilano and to be able to make up that difference of money. Uh, And yeah, it was a really great school. I learned theory from Ben Henriquez, an amazing uh, horn player in... uh, Well, he used to live in Vancouver. I remember when he used to play, he had an album called Captain Awesome, I think is what it was called. Yes, I love his album. Yeah, Yeah, I've performed (laughs) a lot of tunes from his album. Oh, really? uh, In as oh, time nice. has passed yeah huh yeah so that makes sense so you went to viu for two years That's and right. then you via the scholarship then you you made the switch and you came to vancouver and you went to cap and you finished there that's right yeah, yeah. and uh yeah cap was a good place to make connections like we're talking about um bought me out of my shell a little bit yeah um, I wasn't playing a lot of music then, but I think it did set me up to play music later on when I was done with university. I, you know, yeah. I was actively doing stuff. What's a, a kind of bird's eye view of where you were at before you arrived at VIU? Like where in India were you living? Where were you at in terms of school or music at that point? And then like, how did you decide? What what were the circumstances around you actually choosing to come here? Because that's a huge deal. Yeah, that was a, it's a, it's been a wild ride. A um, lot of personal life events actually did lead, um, lead me to take this decision of moving to Canada. But um, before I before I got mesmerized by jazz and I like this had this developed this obsession with learning jazz, I <laughs> I was an Indian, predominantly an Indian classical musician, like uh, Hindustani music. And I was doing 
I um learning with my guru Dr. Ratu Jori from Agra Gharana and so I learned the tradition from her the I got a bachelor's degree in Indian classical music and those can be really long they're like 8 years long the program and oh. so I started early when I was still in school um high school and then I did the ATO program and also went to a conservatory to study western classical music um when when i was 18 wow yeah and then that wasn't my jam because i really did not like singing opera music and <laughs> i i found that it wasn't uh, like i guess it wasn't me being true to myself and in ways of how i want to express myself and what i have to say uh so and the lack of the improvisation aspect in in that repertoire so it wasn't really calling to me in a way that jazz did um so I did not finish that program. I was supposed to graduate in London um because that program was affiliated with Middlesex University in London. So I was supposed to fly to London, do uh, two years there and then that would have been the end of the bachelor's program. But I was like, "Nah, I'm going to start over doing something I really want to do and that was jazz." So and it was between the states and Canada and everyone loves Canada more. Huh. Maybe you should edit that out. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's it's it just seemed like a um a friendlier and a more musically and culturally diverse place for me to be in. So I picked Canada. And then how did it come to be here as opposed to maybe, you know, Montreal or Toronto or something like that? I I do have like relatives, um uh, my cousins uh was studying well one of my cousins was studying at the U of T doing architecture and another one of my cousins is um studying was was studying physics at UBC so i had some people i knew and i was like oh that and bc seems warmer and i i was like i'm my tropical butt is going to freeze in montreal <laughs> and i'm probably not going to adapt well to the cold and i was like bc seems cool, like warmer compared to that was one of the factors for sure yeah, yeah. Oh, very smart. And then yeah, ending up at at VIU and then being able to experience that and experience Catalano on your way to to finishing here. So that's a total time of, you know, now we're talking about total time since you've been here. That's like 5 or 6 years? Yeah, it's I think it's uh coming up to be 5 and a half years or so. Yeah. Yeah. And then where time. where were you living in India before that? Where did you say you were in Mumbai? Yeah, I yeah. grew up in Mumbai. I was born in the south of India in Kerala, but I I I grew up in Mumbai and I did my schooling and everything there and um university or what do we call junior college which is kind of still high school and then yeah then I moved to Chennai um south um, india where, yeah, yeah which is yeah um to at the KM conservatory which is the place I was trying to do in western classical music it's a conservatory started by a grammy award winning uh, musician AR Rahman who's you know also done music for slum dog millionaire <laughs> okay yeah yeah is that a common thing how how would you describe that to someone who hasn't lived in india or someone who isn't in, like moving from the the south to the north or vice versa is that a common thing do people move around the different regions of the country like you did hard. or is it not as common it is um it is common people do it for work but i find that there is language barrier which they have to overcome yeah. because of how diverse india is and every time you cross the border from one state to the other the language has changed so 
either you know if you're moving long term and you uh to uh, you're a north indian moving to south india you you know you will have to learn the language a little bit like yeah. you do yeah so your your folks were coming from the south to the north at that time yeah my yeah. my dad also grew up in mumbai so it's like oh. g- generationally so we had already moved okay, there interesting. so we're all fluent in hindi but my parents since i was born in kerala i learned malayalam and my da- uh, my family is tamil so i learned tamil as well and then marathi because mumbai is in maharashtra so yeah it's just uh, kind of a lot of things going up uh, that's going exactly up where there, i was so. going because you said before we started recording that the english was your fifth language and i yeah. wanted to see how we got there and uh, which different uh, indian languages you were but now that, that makes sense because your family kind of has moved around a bit and you've been exposed right. to you got exposed to four different languages in like three or four different indian states right so, that's right yeah yeah huh do you think you're going to go for a sixth at some point does it get easier once you get to your fifth or no, I have no uh, idea. actually i did not learn any of these languages uh like I, I don't think i don't think i remember learning any of these languages wow for so example really young. yeah um i think i you know when you're a when you're a toddler you're an infant and you're learning these languages it's it's not learning you just assimilate it you just soak it you up just soak it up yeah right? that's perfect and then yeah. you know and you know it when you when you're an adult you already know you it never and forget. i feel like that's what happened to me and i'm actually terrible at learning languages <laughs> so people assume that you know just cuz i speak four or five of them they're like oh yeah you must be so good with words and i'm yeah. like no not really i just you know yeah. i already had them oh that's so funny i've been trying to learn french and it's incredibly hard that's all i'm going to say so i was going to compare it like yeah it's if if you were moving from chennai to mumbai or something like that and you didn't and you were like only in one language if you're only in a south indian language and you were going there it would be like if if we were moving to quebec or vice versa exactly, right like it's that yeah. level but there's so many different states it's not just french english it's like there's all the different stuff there right and then there's also like you know you hope that people can because a lot of people speak english in india so yeah. if you go even to the south english can get you by because uh, in in especially in the states that are in the south people are very fluent yeah so yeah that's the that's the only way <laughs> were you fluent in english while you were still a young kid then while you were learning all the other languages or did that come later like maybe as you got further in your schooling i think uh, definitely came further in my schooling cuz we did not speak english at home uh, yeah. i would it's funny we used, we speak in a lot of different languages at home because <laughs> my house is unique particularly yeah. we speak tamil hindi we speak malayalam it's a mix sometimes we switch in between sentences etc all of wow. that also happens So that's a kind of a yeah it's not a very pure way of communicating in one language but we do have all these tools and it helps sometimes huh. but english i think i got more fluent with um the more i got into like western music and like movies and i started getting watching western like pop culture like just tv and cinemas and stuff and that was kind of that definitely helped yeah yeah What were some of the things like probably even pre-jazz for you that like really caught you when you're talking about getting exposed to western music and stuff? Like what are the first things for you? Uh pre-jazz it was pop music. Yeah. So and that was like, you know, um my sister, my cousin's sister Supriya, she's like she was like the coolest person. She gave me like this whole hard drive of music. It had like Bon Jovi, it had Aerosmith, <laughs> AC/DC, it had like like all the rock legends and then also had um 
like wild collection of uh, drum and bass and uh, trance music oh, so wow. it also got me into electronic side of things like ocean labs and like uh, watercolor pendulum all these like groups huh strange <laughs> bonobo all these kind of different kind of artists all on one massive hard drive that she gave to me and in that was also i also discovered like taylor swift so that was around the time where taylor swift's first album was had come out fearless yeah uh, and i'm i'm not a, not the biggest taylor swift fan but i do have to acknowledge that she like i uh, that album was one of the first ones i tried to sing in english like i was oh. like oh i'm going to try to see how it sounds or whatever so yeah that was and brian adams of course huh. canadian legend <laughs> actually knew brian adams when i was 11 Oh, um, wow. Summer of '69 and On a Day Like Today, like these iconic tracks oh, that I heard so great. <laughs> back in the day, it was fun. But yeah, it was all early on. But pop, it it I did love singing pop, but it did not like do things for me like ja- like jazz did. Like but you didn't obsession. know that yet because you hadn't gotten into jazz yet. Yeah, right? I hadn't gotten into jazz yet. Yeah. Point. Yeah, and then maybe you really start getting into it once you get here like now that you're here and now that you've had all these jazz experiences if you look back like how much of that had you gotten into yet before you left while you were still in india did you did you just kind of start getting into it and you didn't really know what yeah. you were into yet or were you already like really 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 into jazz before you came here no i actually was like i knew limited jazz but in uh mumbai has a robust jazz scene so like nice. uh one of the vocal teachers um samantha noella um she just uh, the basics of singing jazz like how a standard looks like all of these things i was vaguely familiar with and i was i was playing with um, a german guitar player named max kluth who, who was my former guitar teacher as well also a jazz musician so jazz was like there in my life um and i was starting to get hooked to it and i was starting to listen to records at that point but i was just starting down you know climbing down the uh, the the list of legends like Ella Miles and John Coltrane just listening to all the things that we we knew in India like all of these people are the goats you know yeah um but yeah uh then i came here and then i started listening to like local legends like you know Jody Prasnik who happens to be in a band with me now not going to brag but um, <laughs> Brad Turner uh Seamus you know and then I watched like Peter Bernstein here in the city uh yeah you know with Larry Goldings it's all of these people that I was like oh whoa like jazz is so much more than what I've heard and it it it, it has potential to be more because to me um jazz has always been about expression it w- has been the truest form of expression f- for black people back in the day it's their music after all so in the spirit of uh, being true to yourself and expressing yourself um i feel like jazz is a ever growing umbrella of um pe- different people expressing in different ways that are that is honest to them yeah um yeah so that's why jazz but yeah so you mentioned ben henriquez in terms of people at viu and there's there would be the other people at viu who would have influenced you or who would have been your mentors there and then you would have had your friends and tegan and, mm-hmm. and those kind of people For sure. then when you get to cap and when you you have your first year or so there and you you get deeper into it who emerges as like your biggest faculty influences and peers 
who influenced you the most at CAP? Hmm, that's a good question. There's a there's a long list for sure. Um, I was working with Jennifer Scott as my mentor mentor um, on voice, so that was really um, important to me because I was still starting to just understand what swinging is, you know. Because mm-hmm. in my tradition, we don't swing like that. Yeah. You know, we have different ways of swinging, but it's just not the 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 way that swing the feel is. Um, so Jennifer Scott, she definitely helped me understand or help me navigate how it feels to do that and also the importance of lyric which i did uh must be the language barrier or whatever but you know i never really connected with ballads in the way that i did to the lyrics in the way that i do now um i didn't do that because i i i don't know i would just be more um analytical analytical i think in terms of how to sing it what the notes are what oh, note yeah. choices i'm making rather than actually focusing on the feeling of the ballad and what it's supposed to evoke i think jen jen scott made me uh, really uh, focus on that so jen scott uh brad turner because his improvise uh, what was it? um improvising um module I don't know what it's called anymore. It's been a while since I graduated. But it was improv class where yeah. we learn how to improvise and he was you know he was he taught some of some of the things that he taught has is going to stick with me forever and has changed the way I improvise. So I think Brad Turner, Jared Burrows cuz he um, actually happens to have studied Carnatic music which is not the same thing as what I do but we have um you know i could explore my indian music within the realm of jazz under his guidance in a very you know rudimentary form at that in in um when i was in lessons with him so jared burrows um and friends i think faven yeah faven is a amazing trumpet player here in vancouver everyone knows faven if not uh, she go check her out it's hard to describe faven because she's so, such a such a full person such a wholesome person <laughs> her music is amazing she's amazing as a human being she's a great friend and she you know her what she believes in and how she conducts herself is something i admire so faven and then i have a bunch of friends at cap so if i i can't gi- give a shout out to all of them but yeah you know they know who they are yeah yeah and then all that said you know a big congregation of a lot of those people and of a lot of stuff that you've done since you started Rogoverse last year was you played at Jazz at the Bolt. And now that happened to be when I was away in Nanaimo, so I didn't get to experience that either. So we're a week away from that now about when we're talking right now. So how did that go? What's your reflection now on the whole Jazz at the Bolt experience? How was it? I think it's absolutely phenomenal what they put together in these two days. I think I was really inspired just hanging out in the green room amongst like some of the best musicians on the planet I think. Um yeah, my only thing is how do I split my body and go watch all of these amazing artists yeah. uh, while they're playing <laughs> at the same time, you know, and that's the hurdle of any good music f- festival I find. So big shout out to Cory Weeds and uh, Tim Reinhardt for putting this together. uh and for having ragavers come and play so we were playing the james cowen theater really m- beautiful venue you know um it was early in the morning 12 pm 
or at least that's early for me yeah <laughs> it's not early in the morning i guess but 12 p.m and uh noah Fra- uh, noah franchnola our piano player was not able to make it because he is in new york city right now doing mm-hmm. amazing things they're getting his masters um which we love so we had the amazing chris gestrin fill in for yeah. noah for the gig and uh you know that changes everything um we're still playing raga versus music but we have um um the amazing chris joining us and his musical perspective has something different to bring to the you know uh to the music so i find that it was just kind of like hearing it in a f- fresh perspective through chris's lens so i always enjoy doing that um and it was a lot of fun playing that gig we got a great turnout and people were really happy and they're talking about ragavers which gets me excited so yeah yeah what else did you see throughout the rest of the day and the rest of the weekend what what did you see i could not absolutely could not miss uh, well i did see the night crawlers but i absolutely could not miss virginia mcdonald's yeah. quartet because she happens to be one of uh, a, a really dear friend to me since we did go on tour together and we had a lot of time to bond mm-hmm. um playing music um talking about life and stuff but she's one of the well she's my favorite clarinet player hands down across <laughs> you know years and years of all the clarinet players um that i've encountered you know um and the legends i think her music is really really special so i watched her play some of her original music and also some really fabulous arrangements yeah but that was an amazing quartet that uh, was phenomenal to watch then i did watch the night crawlers it was uh, such a cool vibe with percussion and drums i think that's a really unique thing i haven't heard uh, in a while had you heard the night crawlers play before no i hadn't okay, that was my first time watching that's them, funny timing because so. i i think i'm a little bit i'm sure that i'm a little bit older than you exactly how much is just up in the air but the night crawlers were starting when i was coming up like oh, the okay. jesse and and cory were starting to to kind of put that group together and they had some albums that came out when i was in high school i remember i used to go to the cellar to 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 hear the night crawlers and my dad really liked the night crawlers and nice. so i got the album so that's a it's a big group for me i appreciate how fun it was and dave sakula's guitar a, playing and yeah yeah they have a unique sound i think uh it feels very uh, nostalgic but at the same time it feels very fresh in some ways yeah so i really liked hearing them play i heard mickey i could only catch some of her set but that was amazing with mark turner yeah, yeah. uh well yeah phenomenal like one of the most creative people i've seen um on the piano so really uh, really amazing uh and the rest the previous day i had tooth issues so i could not uh-huh. make it um uh, but yeah uh, it was fun catching whatever i could yeah. on sunday we'll get back to the conversation with shruti in just a second but first we're doing a subscriber drive for the rhythm changes update that's where paying subscribers get an exclusive column for me on fridays by email and accessible on the web at rhythmchanges.ca i'm on a mission to welcome 50 new subscribers into the update this year and you should be one of them go to rhythmchanges.ca/update to get a discount on your update subscription that's rhythmchanges.ca/update to subscribe now So you've been playing with Noah for how long? Because Noah is not a cap guy. He had his, I mean, he's a recent guest. He Mm -hmm. was, he was on an episode uh, just two episodes ago. And we kind of talked about Toronto and here, growing up here, going to Toronto, ending up in New York now where he's studying. 
uh when did you start playing with him was it for the Rogaverse stuff or had you started playing with him a little bit before well it was actually for the uh, right before Rogaverse for the second floor gaston thing and um arvind ramdas he ha- he had like this in his house he had like the space for people to jam and you know and he was noah was actually arvind's friend and i had come to arvind's house to hang out and play some music and noah happened to be there so we uh, decided to jam on the spot we played a couple of standards and we were both like whoa like playing with you seems really really you know it seems really intriguing seems really addicting something is special about this so then i called him to do a gig with me and shortly after we were like let's do a band together so it's like it snowballed and it kind of had to and uh, noah and i have played duo as well a lot we do we did a bunch of duo gigs maybe like eight of them over yeah. the last few months and uh, yeah every time uh, we, we have this kind of um, musical understanding we're also best friends it happens to be so even within music we have this level of communication that i don't necessarily share with all the musicians that i play with it's quite special so you know um ragavas wouldn't be without noah mm-hmm. yeah which is why we were like no matter how long it takes it's it's you um that's going to be the piano player for ragavas even if you went for a ato program to halfway across <laughs> the country or something you know we would wait for you so yeah that comes across for sure mm-hmm. so when did you start not necessarily when did when did the first ragavas repertoire compositions that you wrote when not necessarily when did you write those specific tunes right. but on your journey from india to bc from your Hindustani musical experience through to your brief stop in a classical program to getting interested in jazz to all that stuff like when did you start conceiving of music that sounds like ragavas and how did it get to because that's got to be something that comes first you got to have the musical concept right to be able to to bring it into that group the actual nuts and bolts of launching the band happened very fast yeah. so you must have had that musical concept already for some amount of time. So when did you start making music that sounded and felt like that? It's uh that's a great question. I haven't really ever thought about this. But it actually just started with this one tune which is going to be on the album. It's called Sajan and we always play it every time we start a ragavas set. It's mm-hmm. always the first tune we play for some reason. Is it in G? It is yeah, in G. Yeah, okay, so I remember from the yeah, from the Yeah, Fox. it's yeah, like a sure. bluesy kind of sounding tune, yeah. right? um that happens to be the first thing i wrote arranged for well it, i didn't know at the time that it was going to amount to anything mm-hmm. but uh it was a very strange experiment i was like uh, had the sentiment where i'd put away hindustani music for two years studying jazz because i wanted to really focus on one thing and make sure that i was giving all my energy and time into learning this new tradition that i wasn't slacking off so you know i wasn't doing i wasn't engaging in hindustani music as you know as uh, frequently or as uh, or or as intensely as i used to before i joined this program so i was kind of feeling like a um um this conflict within myself where i was like i'm i'm feel like i'm losing my hindustani training while i'm trying to learn something new that i'm not really that solidify like i haven't found my place with jazz yet 
and so it was like this transition period and i was feeling a lot of emotional internal conflict and i was like okay like i'm going to take this hindustani head i'm going to practice it but i was also in front of the piano at the time and i was like what if i i apply some of these harmonic concepts that i've been learning in jazz school to this uh, like indian classical melody like how would it sound like what chords would work with this melody so i sat around and fooled on the piano until i found like this really bluesy um chord progression that went perfectly well with the head and i was like oh what if it had a slow ballad swing feel to this what what would all of this sound like and but then you know i was just like okay i'll just make a chart for this and i'll put it away which i did didn't think about it for a while because i was really afraid to show anyone huh. what was on the chart was it just lead sheet was it just melody it was and a, chords yeah it was melody and chords that was it and and it was chords that i thought were like made the melody shine and it was you know it was predominantly ended up being like a jazz chord progression so but at the time i was like oh the hindustani traditionalists are going to take offense to this or the jazz people are going to be like what is this stuff this is not jazz or you know it doesn't qualify or whatever so i didn't really do anything with it i just put it away i was like okay cool this sounds kind of interesting we'll see one day play it one day which happened to be a year later huh. so i waited for a long time okay and then the other compositions you followed on with when the band started becoming a real thing then you just wrote a bunch more music kind of following this feeling yeah i think i was like no i was like i'd started writing stuff and stashing them away okay. being like i'm not going to show this to anyone oh okay but yeah. until one day then i was like with noah i was like oh this person seems really open i feel like i can trust them so i just like showed him some of the stuff and he was like oh this is incredible and then he started playing with and i was like that was a revelation i was like i've never heard hindustani music like this and i've heard haven't heard jazz music like this so you know it's just something else it's morphed into something yeah and then you have mentioned that there's an album coming up and there's just some different practical things about how that's going to come together but like where are you at in general on your album cycle is this something that you've already recorded some or all of and you're just figuring out how to put it out or do you still have yet to do your studio dates for this first ragaverse recording we are yet to record um and yeah. we're extremely excited because we've been playing for almost a year now right and um people do ask us so like where can we get your music we love it and we're like it's coming it's coming <laughs> and now i think it's more so the music needs to go out and we've applied for a canada council grant and we're going to find out at the end of this month if we got it or not but irrespective of whether we got it um we've still decided to put out the album this year and the special thing about this album is that i am writing string quartet arrangements that go with some of these tunes So it's oh. going to be a ragaverse plus so it's going to be eight piece for some of these um compositions not all of them but wow. I, I'm not going to give too much away but the album may have like six to seven tracks and out of them three of uh three three of them might feature the string yeah. quartet. Well of so. course you can't give too much away cuz you haven't recorded it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, obviously it has to be, you know, Noah has to be back in town, right? That's yeah, another consideration. Uh, I do have to say a big shout out to Diane Carota who's working with Ragaverse um 
and in some ways managing us and help us helped us put this grant together and we'll be helping noah fly out to vancouver to uh, for this record to happen oh yeah okay and you know whatever else that follows um, yeah with regards to the album but and that's cool would you say it is more likely that it's going to be coming out via a canadian jazz label that people know or that you'll be releasing it independently i cannot comment on okay, that cool. but i i i i don't think it'll be i think we will try to do uh keep the music as much as possible because the music is really precious to me it, it's not just mine it comes from a tradition that's thousands of years old and uh it comes from a family of music um so there's a lot of things to consider here and um if if we were to sign with a label you know we have to consider how the label res- represents other people of color and if it does and you know and the music is unique like i said it's kind of hard to see wh- in what direction we'll be going with the music but there's a lot of exciting opportunities um it's something to think about yeah. so well it's something it sounds like it's something that you still have the choice on like you have you haven't had to commit on that one way or another yet you can still no. see i think our we want to get the ball rolling with just having the music together and um you know having yeah. our album art having uh deciding how we're going to market this and then you know uh us as a group we're still gauging our options a lot of different uh opportunities are presenting um themselves to us yeah. with regards to how we want to market it and if we want to sign up with people so we're still weighing our options nice. at this point we'll see that's a great place to be yeah yeah and then one other thing that happened to you over the last year away from Rogaverse is that you started to perform with the Star project that's right yeah and I don't know. I just am curious how that started. Like, obviously, you've got the connection through Jody and Rogverse, but like, how did you come to be a performing member of the Ostar Project? I think it's all Jody. She's the she's the magic maker, and she's the she's spearheading the project. And they are a Juno nominees now. You know, that's the kind of person she is. She knows. Um, she trusts people. Uh, that, you know, she has a good gauge of how people are. and and how they can contribute to that situation musically um and it was really kind of her to ask me to do this and um they were kind of reimagining those stara for a kind of a second iteration of it with virginia um mcdonald on clarinet and so it was three horns and then now there's lila as well as vo- uh, as a vocalist so yeah. the stara is just growing and i found that is It was really kind and mostly my honor that Jody uh decided to have me in the group as yeah. it was expanding. So And yeah. was that in in the context of they wanted you for the fall tour? Yeah, they want me to do the fall tour and I'm going to be recording um well this is maybe confidential yet but Ostara will be recording more a second album. Yeah. And I will be featured on the album as well and we're going on tour again this summer so yeah cuz it didn't quite hit the timing wasn't for Ostara to play with the original lineup at the 2022 Vancouver Jazz Festival and the Canadian Jazz Festivals but right. I would imagine that's what's happening this coming summer so That's right they're yeah. doing And you'll be doing that with tour. them That's yeah. right yeah it's going to be a lot of fun uh maybe a few weeks later end up in Montreal for the last uh, nice. Jazz Fest so that's going to be fun 
So yeah. what, what are the, some of the memories that you took away from playing with them? And was it November, October, November, your, your tour experiences there? How was that like? I think I've finally re- realized the importance of playing with people that inspire you um, and people that you admire and cherish and people that make you feel like um, it's a safe space to explore. And I find that the music that's made in such settings are way more beautiful and more like they're special for some reason and compared to when you know you're just on a gig with mm-hmm. a bunch of dudes and uh you know there's not that level of respect there's not that level of closeness so being on tour with them and doing a residency where we just spent two days playing each other's music and trying to compose stuff together and i think that was a turning point and we also talked about each other's lives, you know, and mm-hmm. and I think I made lifelong friends. And so, yeah, I made lifelong friends in, in this group. Uh, so basically, I'm the biggest fan, fan of these people. Like I, I'm personally invested in their projects now and I, I'm, I'm like, I cheer them on. I promote their stuff on my social media and, and I, and I do all of it because of the joy that they bought me and uh, brought me in the in the time that we toured together and the time that we made music together. I think it has been one of the most special moments of my life, yeah. I would say. Wow. And you had like, as you mentioned before, you had Virginia there as kind of like your closest like age peer. And, you know, that was an we interesting bond. In yeah. Age. But I think uh, Rochelle. Uh, oh, yeah. Allison, Virginia, and I, we we were hanging out all the time. Amanda and Jody are older, kind of our mentors. But they were, you know, there was no age thing there. Yeah. We were a bunch oh, yeah. of women just having the time of our lives. That's Honestly, great. it was like, yeah, we had, uh, yeah, we were like little kids, just like ha- <laughs> having so much fun playing music and like goofing around and just having a great time. Also, it was stunning because UConn, right? Mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of educational components to some of your tour stops right like you maybe did some workshops or you did some yeah. workshop parts of your performances right that's right um so at whitehorse i did uh i worked with singers talking about how to incorporate you know um some of these hindustani concepts that i bring with me from my culture kind of how to incorporate it into your practice despite the genre that you might be dealing with it's just about vocal malleability and how far you can train your voice to do be a horn right everyone wants their voice to be a horn how you do that is you know you gotta train it um to be a horn yeah yeah i always like to uh to ask people who um have arrived here in in vancouver from wherever and have stayed for at least a certain span of time like where do you consider home right now at this point in your life and like to what extent does this feel like home or what do you feel about where you want to be kind of things like how do you how do you think about that where's where's home for you home um is where my loved ones are and where the music is so a home is not one place for me ever like home is always just a just it's it's more so a feeling a concept than it is a physical entity you know so for me i feel like yes vancouver is very much home for me right now because i you know my partner and i we live in the west end we share a home together we have a cat nice uh so that's a little family right there and um you know the musical community they're my 
friends they're the people that i you know i'm the closest to that i make music with on a spiritual level also close to so i find that home is vancouver right now uh and part of part of what home makes home home is my parents who are in mumbai right now so it's kind of like hard to say one place right yeah 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 that's a that's a great answer this is this has been like one of the fastest moving most awesome energy episodes i've i've ever done so <laughs> i want to i did not drink coffee today it, <laughs> so, have, it could have been worse it's pure adrenaline then uh this this has been so much fun uh i've i've had a great time following everything you've been doing over the past year uh i'm a big fan of yours and i want to thank I'm you for coming i'm a big fan of up. yours i love <laughs> listening to your podcasts and also the people that you bring on here and the way you treat them is special so i'm looking forward to all of the rest of the cool exciting people that you're going to be talking with and interacting with nice thanks for coming out here thank you <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you enjoyed it, I've been going deeper into the podcasting game and I'm working on another show called Pacific Sound Radio. It's the longest running Vancouver music interview podcast. My friend James Olson is the host and I co-produce it with him. You can find Pacific Sound Radio in your podcast app. Check it out. There's a new episode out right now. So go listen to Pacific Sound Radio, one of the Turn Off Music group of podcasts. Thanks and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>